Minus 15. Respect all, fear none. Into the upper deck. Intensity is not a perfume. Hello, Utah Street! Five, four, three, two, one. From inside our two-bedroom apartment in downtown Baltimore, it is the Masson All Access Podcast. Paul Mancano, Brendan Mortensen, here with you as always on a beautiful day. Yeah. I've got my rocking my I'm with Trey shirt. It's a good shirt. Just thought I'd, uh, thought I'd bring that up for the Trey Mancini Foundation. Yeah. These are pretty awesome. I couldn't... I was too late for last week, last year rather, was such a whirlwind. I don't know if you know. Uh, I missed out <laughs> on the say. <laughs> missed out on the uh, unfortunately on the uh, fight T-shirts. So mm. I thought I'd you know go back in with the with the I'm with Trey shirt. The sentiment remains the same. The back is even cooler, which is a shame because I can't show it on the podcast. But yeah. uh, it's it's like a little design of of Trey. So good stuff. I don't know Neato. if you know he plays baseball. He does in a few days. He does. For opening day. Yeah. He's making his triumphant return to the field in just a couple days. Big opening time. day is yeah. on Thursday. Whew. That came up quick. Spring training is officially done, Brendan. Yep. We have plenty to talk about and dissect uh, because since we last recorded our previous podcast. Literally everything happened. Everything has changed. Yeah. Everything in the entire world, um, but mostly just on the Orioles roster, 40 man and, t- and 26 projected roster change because I guess at some point, Michael Elias listened to our podcast and said, I'm just going to do whatever I can to make these guys look like absolute buffoons. Yeah. Uh, Which all, we kind of already do. We, do, we don't need your help, Mike. <laughs> just for the fut- for We've future. We've got records. it covered. Yeah. Um, all of our predictions are shot. Yep. We came up with roster predictions at the beginning of spring training. Just throw them out the window. Don't even go back. I'm, I'm not going to bring up the graphics. Yeah, please don't gonna, go look at they them. They are so off and so bad. Yeah. Um, we could not have seen a lot of these moves coming, and we have so many moves to discuss <sighs> since our last podcast. I feel like we, at, at, we'll have to go chronologically here, yeah. Brendan. I mean, in our defense... I think there were a lot of people who were surprised by some of these Orioles yeah, moves. Yeah, we, we were not the only ones. Yes. There were guys that we thought were pretty much locks to make the roster that did not end up making the roster. Yes. So we've got a lot to break down here, Paul. And Yeah, and guys that we did not see coming in at all. Yeah. Um, suddenly working their way onto the roster. Do you want to go chronologically here, Brendan? Yeah, let's do it. Let's start with going all the way back to the Wade LeBlanc Grandpa Simpson meme of <laughs> leaving and coming back and leaving and coming back. That feels like forever ago. It does. It was, uh, I don't know, Wednesday? Like- Probably as soon as we got off the podcast. Yeah. yeah. So essentially, Wade LeBlanc, who uh, we thought was kind of a fringe candidate for the roster at that point. Uh, well, first off, what happened was Keegan Aiken, in his last start on Masson, uh, got hit around. Yes. Wade LeBlanc... Actually, no, I'm getting the order of this wrong. We're already starting off this so <laughs> poorly. Uh, so Wade LeBlanc requests his um, uh, to be released. Yeah. And so he's gone, and he's granted it. And he was on a minor league deal. Then Keegan Aiken gets hit around in his start. Then Wade LeBlanc on the next day is brought back on a deal that is exactly the same 
as his previous deal, only it is a major league deal. So he is guaranteed the money. He said he was just going to test the market, see what was out there, and within 24 hours decided to return. <laughs> he did not like the market. Yeah, exactly. Um, within a day or two of that, Keegan Aiken gets optioned down to AAA Norfolk. What were your... Did you think that the, those two events were related at all, Brendan? I don't know if one directly played into the other. I think if Wade LeBlanc were to make this roster, he probably makes it as a long reliever. Brandon Hyde has said, we speculated for a little while that the Orioles might go with a six-man rotation. And if they had gone with a six-man rotation, I think Wade LeBlanc is probably your number six starter. But because it sounds like Brandon Hyde just wants to go with a five-man rotation, I think LeBlanc is probably in the bullpen. So it's not like he's coming in to replace Keegan Aiken in the starting rotation, but he certainly gives you more depth in terms of a guy that can eat a lot of innings coming out of the bullpen. So he, even if he's not starting games, he still plays a similar role and he was much better than Keegan Aiken in spring training. He was. And we said so many times on this podcast, don't pay attention to spring training stats. Yeah. To quote Rock Cabaco from his article this morning, uh, spring training stats don't matter until they really do. Unless they do. Yeah. <laughs> he way outperformed Keegan Aiken in spring, but we didn't think that mattered. Yeah. Uh, Keegan Aiken gave up 10 earned runs in nine innings this spring, and Wade LeBlanc, meanwhile, gave up what? Less than that. A lot less than that. Gave up three earned runs, struck out 10, and the thing that stuck out to me between LeBlanc and Keegan Aiken Way the Blanc in spring training had a 139 batting average against. Keegan Aiken had a 366 batting average against. Yeah. So not only was Keegan Aiken giving up earned runs, he was giving up a lot of hits. Yeah. So it's nice to, I, I guess they brought back, they might have had something to do with each other. Probably not a whole lot. Not a ton, I don't yeah. think. Um, but he definitely takes one of the roster spots that, uh, a roster spot that is left open by Keegan Aiken. Right. Not in the rotation, however. Um, Keegan Aiken being optioned was, I think, so far, maybe the biggest surprise of spring. Yeah. Uh, I think all of us pretty much had him as a lock for the rotation. Probably is the number three starter in this rotation. Yeah, it seemed like he was pretty solidly the third best pitcher in the starting rotation at this point. Yeah. And especially considering last year, you know, he had an ERA under five. He had some rough outings. Uh, but he came out of the bullpen, he started some games so he could be used in that versatile role, and we thought that he was going to take a leap. Yeah. And he clearly just was, his command was not there this spring. And it was enough to be of concern for Michael Elias and Brandon Hyde. And I don't know how much the spring training stats were really taken into account here. I think if you are optioning Keegan Aiken down, it probably has much more to do with the overall mechanical issues than it does those issues with his stats. Yeah. Keegan Aiken was okay last year. I mean, for his first year in the majors, you know, he had three starts of no earned runs. He had a four, five, six ERA. But you've mentioned before, Paul, that Keegan Aiken really wasn't going deep into those games. He never pitched above five and a third innings. And in those three starts that he didn't give up an earned run, uh, he pitched 5.1 innings, five innings, and then four and a third. Yeah. So he wasn't really going deep into games. And it's not like Keegan Aiken was an ace last year. He didn't light the world on fire with his rookie campaign. He wasn't showing the same flashes that Dean Kramer was. Yeah. So I think if there are still mechanical issues to work out with Keegan Aiken, 
while it's surprising that he isn't on the roster at this point because when he is on the roster, he is probably the third or fourth best starting pitcher. If there's mechanical issues with one of your younger prospects, you've got to make sure that's taken care of before he's sticking at the major league level. And the alternate site, I feel, I feel like gives them more of an opportunity to do that than if they were starting the Norfolk season on time. Right. And he was just having to go up against AAA competition. This is clearly a go to the alternate site, work with, um, you know, some of the pitching coaches that we have there, get your mechanics figured out, like you said, Brendan, and come back. You know, yeah. it's not throw him right back into game action. It's take him away from game action and figure out whatever you need to figure out before you come back. And I, I do think he will come back, I don't, you know, yeah. at some point early on in the season. I think it's going to be a very short stint. I don't know about very short. I can see, I think he's coming back before the AAA Norfolk season starts. I'll say that. Yeah. So maybe a month. I, I would guess a month. Yeah, I would guess he he misses a few turns in the rotation. I agree. Um, assuming everything goes well there, and he gets whatever he needs to figured out. And players were raving about the alternate site last yeah. year. It's it sounds like they were able to get a lot of individual help, and they were able to work on a lot of things that maybe they weren't even able to do in a minor league season. So maybe the alternate site and having that available at the start of the season is just a good alternative to game action yeah. if you're working on mechanics, especially. And it, especially considering the Orioles start to the season goes Red Sox, Yankees, Red Sox, Ooh, which yeah. are two of the more high-powered offenses in the American League. Yeah. And if you throw him back into game action, maybe he has to start two of those games yep. against the Red Sox and Yankees. His confidence confidence could take a major hit. And I know his confidence could take a major hit by getting demoted, but you would rather have him deal with that at the alternate site and figure that out and have coaches in his ear and talk to him and get things right than have him go out there in front of at Yankee Stadium or, you know, at Fenway Park, get hit around and have to deal with it in a major league clubhouse and get back on the road. And it's just a, a difficult thing to experience publicly. So maybe that that factors into it somewhat. Yeah, and if you're Keegan Aiken, if there are things that are going wrong mechanically, we don't want to speculate because we haven't heard too much of the exact reason that he is down at the alternate site. If there's things going on mechanically, I'm sure he probably wants to figure that out before he is yeah. starting games again at the major league level. Absolutely. Still, a surprising move. Yes. I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, and then... Mike Elias followed up surprising move with another surprising move, making Ooh. a trade for a pitcher, Adam yeah. Plutko from Cleveland, uh, a guy who is 29 years old. He's been around a while, has never been a great starter, has bounced back and forth between the rotation and the bullpen in his four seasons with Cleveland. Uh, the cost is very minimal. They only trade cash considerations over to Cleveland to get Adam Plutko. I mean, one of the Orioles' best players there in cash considerations. Cash considerations. Yeah. He's been so useful over the... He's been in, involved in a lot of deals, I yeah. feel like. Yeah. Um, he, his resume is not sparkling. This is clearly another depth move for Michael Elias. Yeah, I think Plutko will start in the bullpen. I think that's the plan to start. But realistically, I think he could probably crack the starting rotation if not just as a spot starter here and there. His 2020 numbers were not great. He had a 4.88 ERA. And just it, the thing that's also concerning with Plutko, not a big strikeout guy. He had just 4.9 strikeouts per nine last season. But his 2020 ERA was inflated because he had one game where he allowed seven earned runs. And in the rest of his games, he didn't allow more than three earned runs. So he his, his ERA last year was inflated because of that one bad game. I think he's a solid depth piece that you could probably start if needed. But 
he's going to start in the bullpen for now and will probably be able to eat up some innings. And a little bit of a concern when he was acquired was the fact that the longest outing he'd had in spring with Cleveland so far two innings, was two right? innings. Yeah. So he had been used a fair amount in the spring, but never in an outing longer than two innings. And if you're acquiring him, um, not even to be a starter, but to be a long man in, in the bullpen, you're going to want his, you know, his uh, length built up right. at that point. You want him to be able to handle three, four innings at a time if you're going to want to come, you know, bring him in to spell one of your starters in the middle innings. If the plan for him is for Pleco to eventually be a starter in the rotation, the bullpen makes sense because, like you said, you need to start ramping up those innings, especially after the weird season last year and a modified spring training. You want to make sure that he's getting ramped up and you're not just throwing him into, yeah. okay, go pitch six after he hasn't pitched more than two all spring. Yeah, and Michael Elias has said he's long been an admirer of Adam Plutko and uh, has been watching him from afar. Maybe one of the things that he picked up was the fact that Plutko started using a new pitch last season that he had never used before, which was a cutter. Mm-hmm. Out, literally never used this pitch, had it in his arsenal. All of a sudden in 2020 with Cleveland, he's throwing it 30% of the time. So that might be something that Michael Elias sees on tape and thinks that's something Chris Holt can work with. Yeah. That's a pitch that he can use more effectively uh, once he gets it in his arsenal. Clearly for Cleveland, this was a move where he was going to be cut. So instead of... Michael Elias having to wait for him to pick him up on the waiver wire. He just trades cash considerations and and guarantees that he gets him on the roster. Yeah, a very low risk deal. Yeah. I mean, if Plutko is able to use this new pitch from last year and able to work with the pitching coaches and find something effective, you didn't give up much to get him. And if he doesn't work out, you didn't give up much to get him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, perhaps the bigger surprise with the Adam Plutko trade was the outgoing player on the 40-man roster, yeah, which was the Orioles' projected opening day second baseman, Yomer Sanchez, removed from the 40-man roster and designated for assignment. A guy that, Brendan, Ooh. I know you, you certainly had high hopes for. I did. And uh, that's going to, that, you know, that hurts. I'm a sucker for defense, Paul. Yeah. We know this. Yeah. We, we have heard my rants about Cedric Mullins. We have heard my rants about Yomer Sanchez. The man was a gold glove winner at second base. The defense was there. The offense... Was not. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, hope was that he was going to be, have a season similar to, you know, maybe to a lesser version, but a, a, a Jose Iglesias or what, you know, basically a guy that you acquire for on, on a very cheap deal who is a defensive first middle infielder. You hope to get a good offensive season out of Yolmer Sanchez and maybe flip him. But at the very least, you can stick him in your starting lineup and at second base every day help out your pitchers by getting some gold glove defense up the middle. All of that is thrown out the window. Yeah. They just decided to designate him for assignment. I thought that there were candidates that they would probably designate for assignment before they did that. I thought Cole Solcer would probably be somebody that they would remove from the 40 man. But Mike Elias said that he felt comfortable. He saw, he liked what he saw from the second base competition in camp enough to just cut Yolmer Sanchez a week before opening day. Well, it- Let's keep a few things in mind here. The first with Yolmer Sanchez is that he was claimed off of waivers for the Orioles from yeah. the San Francisco Giants. So it's not like the Orioles just cut an all-star second baseman. Yeah. It is a surprise to us because he was pretty much a fixture in the spring training lineup. And we thought because of that defense, he would pretty solidly be at second base. But maybe in spring training, you just saw enough defensively from guys like Pat Vileka and Ramon Urias that 
the production that someone like Pat Vileka gives you offensively just outweighs the difference in defensive ability between Vileka and Yomer Sanchez. Well, and what we were saying weeks ago is that the hope coming into spring training from our side of things was that Jemai Jones, who, of course, was acquired for Alex Cobb a few weeks before spring training started, would outplay one of the veterans in the infield. And our thinking was he might outplay Rio Ruiz. You take Yomer Sanchez and move him over to third base. Instead, what happened is the Orioles signed a third baseman in Michael Franco. Yomer Sanchez gets removed. And Jemai Jones, while he did not outplay Yomer Sanchez, he didn't outplay Rio Ruiz this spring, he flashed some tools. Yes. I mean, he clearly has, um, you know, he is maybe the most athletic infielder on the roster right now. Oh, I, on, without on a doubt, I think roster. he's the most athletic yeah. infielder on the 40-man, yeah. He has a little bit of power. Uh, he has speed, certainly. Defensive versatility to play in the outfield. Of course, his primary position over, you know, since the past couple of years has turned into second base. Uh, they like what they see from him. He's only 23 years old. He is not going to make this opening day roster, but Jemai Jones, I think, certainly factored into this decision to let Yolmer Sanchez go because I think that they feel it's not just them showing confidence in Ramon Urias and Pat Vileka. I think they want to see what they're going to get from Ramon Urias because, remember, he's only 26, 27 years old. But I think this is more of a vote of confidence in what Jemai Jones is going to be later on in 2021. I would agree. Jemai Jones and also Ryland Bannon, who can play yeah. either third base or second base. So I think it's probably, like you said, a vote of confidence in those younger guys, and you want them to be able to come up and get starts. Yeah. If Yomer Sanchez is still on this team he's probably starting because yeah. his defense is so good that you want to keep him on the field. But this gives Jermai Jones and Ryland Bannon a little bit more space to work their way up. It's just, we had him penciled in, I think, for so long, in part because he was claimed off waivers, so it's not like they brought him in on a major league deal via free agency, but he was just sitting there on the 40-man roster for so long. Yeah. While we saw so much upheaval on that 40-man roster, we saw Renato Nunez get non-tendered, or we saw Hansa Alberto get non-tendered. We saw Renato Nunez get designated for assignment, and Yomer Sanchez was just sitting there through that whole thing, and he made it all the way through spring training with a week left. So that's why, in our heads, we had him in there as, as pretty safe because there were so many guys that they picked Yomer Sanchez ahead of. They said, we would rather have Yomer Sanchez at his price point on this roster than Hansa Alberto, than Renato Nunez. So we took that as a sign to say... They feel good enough about Yomer Sanchez being their second baseman, but it feels like the competition just crept up on Yomer Sanchez during spring training. And we were paying we were busy paying attention to the starting pitching battle. We were paying attention to the Rule Five guys, and we just it you know we missed it. <laughs> well, it's, again, not the only ones, but we just right. missed it. Well, it's interesting too because we didn't really look too heavily at the spring training numbers no. because everything we heard is that spring training is a tune-up. The spring training numbers don't matter that much. Until they yeah. really do. Well, Brandon Hyde kept saying it. Yeah. And Yolmer Sanchez, we knew, wasn't going to come in and hit. Yolmer Sanchez was yeah. either going to be the 8 or the 9 in the Orioles starting lineup. But I suppose when you hit 190 with 8 hits and 8 strikeouts, maybe the hitting was just at the point where the Orioles couldn't justify keeping him in the lineup over somebody like Pat Vileka, who is not as good defensively, but is much better offensively. Water gun to your head. When does Jemai Jones make his debut in 2020? I think pretty soon. I would honestly give, give, give it him... Give a month. Uh, I would say early June. 
Yeah, I'd probably, I might even say May. Yeah. Late May. Because I don't... He has a clear window at this point. He because does. Pat Valeka and Ramon Urias are both probably best served to be utility guys off the bench. I don't think you want either of them being your everyday second baseman. And I think it's worth giving Jemai Jones, you know, pretty early on a shot to prove that he can be that second baseman. Water gun to your head. Does Ryland Bannon or Jemai Jones make his debut with the Orioles first? I'd say Jemai Jones because he's already made his major league debut with the Angels last year. I think he's probably a little bit closer. And I think Ryland Bannon, you're probably looking at as more of a third baseman than a second baseman, I would guess. And at this point, that path is much more murky considering there's Michael Franco and Rio Ruiz there right now who both look like they're going to make the roster. Another water gun to your head? My goodness. I've got a lot of water <laughs> how, guns to my how, head here. How many, how many games does Rio Ruiz play? At second base. That's, oh my goodness. So there, that's the that's other a, thing. That's a whole new thing. Yeah. Rio Ruiz has been playing second base for the last few games of spring training. I think it's just more of a, an experiment to see if Rio Ruiz can play there. Well, yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't fit a second base. Well, our, again, Mike Elias just making us look like absolute idiots. Yeah. We said on this podcast, we did not think Rio Ruiz was going to stick on this roster. And he still may not. For the long haul. You know, he could be gone in a month. He could be DFA'd. However, it appears at this moment, we don't have the 40-man roster in front, or the 26-man opening day roster in front of us, but it's almost guaranteed that both Michael Franco and Rio Ruiz are going to be on this roster on opening day. Which is crazy. With Ramon Urias and Pat Vileka. Yeah. I, w- I probably would have told you that one of those guys would make the roster. Probably two. I, a few weeks ago, yeah. once the Orioles signed Michael Franco, I would have told you that Franco and Valeca make the roster. And Ru- Ruiz and Urias were yeah. off. And Probably. now we've got all four. Yeah, we've got all four. And, and Brandon Hyde talked about true versatility being a guy who can also play shortstop. Yes, with Ramon Urias. Pat Valeca and Ramon Urias fit that bill. Right. Rio Ruiz does not. And that's why we thought he would be on the outside. Especially because he, he, they're trying him out at second base. And Brandon Hyde said, we want to, you know, this, you know, don't read too much into this. We just want to give him a shot there now so that we don't surprise him when we have to ask him to play second base at some point down the line. You have to imagine this is a cross your T's, dot your I's situation where he probably can't play second base, but you just have to make sure in case he surprises you. He, I mean, I think Rio Ruiz will get some starts at DH. Uh, Probably, think, especially think, with DJ Stewart's injury. Yes. DJ Stewart likely to be on the 10-day IL, I think, to start the season. Yeah. Uh, Chris Davis, of course, on the 60-day IL. So there take, that takes away another DH candidate. But, <laughs> I mean, this roster is just not what we thought it was going to be. It is just... I, I And again, Michael Elias has done this in previous years. He sets the opening day roster, and then a week... Two weeks into the season, the roster has completely flipped on its head. Guys are out the door that were on the opening day roster you thought would have a chance to stick with the team long term. Um, You know, I threw out some names last week of guys that were on the 2019 opening day roster that eventually played like five games for the Orioles and were gone. Drew Jackson uh, was one of those guys, a rule five guy. He was on the roster. I was pretty convinced you made that up. Great story. Opening day roster guy gone within four at bats. Yeah. Plate appearances. So, you know, the opening day roster is just that it is just the roster on the first day of the season. Right. But it is 
certainly not the collection of players that we expected them to have. Yes, agreed. Uh, David on Facebook commenting and asking, is Ruiz going to be our second baseman or a bench player? Yeah. If I had to wager a guess right now, I'd say he's probably a bench player that will play second base occasionally. I think the opening day second baseman will probably be Pat Vileka. And then I think Ruiz will have a chance to work in at third base and maybe second base. And then Ramon Urias will work in at second base and shortstop. So I think Ruiz for now is a bench piece. I think, yes. I think if I had to predict the opening day lineup, I would say Pat Vileka is your starting second baseman. I would say Rio Ruiz actually might be your starting day third baseman with Michael Franco being your starting day, your opening day DH. Yeah, I could see that. Because, you know, maybe they want to give Michael Franco just a few more days to get fully healthy and ready. He still needs a little bit of time. He says that he is ready, but he hasn't played in that many spring training games. He was signed so late into camp. Right. Um, they gave that he had that option in his contract to be sent down to the alternate site. It appears at this point they're not going to exercise that. He's going to make the roster, but maybe he DHs for the first couple games. Yeah, but over maybe the first month or so, I think Rio Ruiz will occasionally start at third, maybe play second once in a while, but will usually just be a bench piece. And also, Rio Ruiz is the better defensive third baseman. Oh, absolutely. Than Michael Franco. Yep. So, you have a better shot with... Rio Ruiz at third. If you're keeping both of them on the roster, might as well stick the better defensive third baseman in the field and keep Michael Franco as your DH, right? Yeah, it would make sense. I mean, Michael Franco can be a pinch hitter if you don't want to rush him in to game action right away. If you want to start Rio Ruiz at third because he's had a full spring training yeah, and then just kind of ramp up Michael Franco slowly but surely. Franco will eventually take over the starting third baseman job, we're assuming. Yeah. But... For now, it looks like Ruiz has a place until Franco is 100% ready to go. All right. Let's go back to the pitching real quick. Yeah. <laughs> because We've got a lot of things to run through. There are more moves that the Orioles made. Yeah. Um, Felix Hernandez opts out, uh, you know, requests his... That's Orioles legend, Felix Hernandez. That is Orioles legend, yeah. yeah. In the... Now we're putting him in the same category as Johan Santana, I guess. <laughs> yeah, pretty um, much. He... Never Except did Johan Santana ever pitch like a spring training game or anything? He pitched in the minors. Okay. Oh, no, no. I think he pitched at Sarasota in like simulated games. I don't know if he ever pitched in a minor league spring training or a minor league game. And he was not, I don't think he pitched in any spring training games. Well, either way, Felix Hernandez on Orioles legend status yeah. with Johan Santana. Still wearing that Orioles cap on his Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. I might have to buy a jersey. Who knows? <laughs> um. What a whirlwind uh, month it was for Felix Hernandez. Another guy that we had on, you know, shakier ground than Keegan Aiken in terms of making this rotation. But we thought of all of the minor, the guys that were brought in on minor league deals, Thomas Eshelman, Wade LeBlanc, Felix Hernandez, and Matt Harvey. We thought Felix Hernandez of those four had the best chance to make the opening day roster. And we looked at his spring training stats last year with Atlanta we looked at his track record. We looked at his comparison stats with Eshelman and LeBlanc and, and Harvey, and we thought, this guy has the best chance. And the fact that they signed him before they signed Harvey. Right. Matt Harvey made the rotation. Both Rule 5 guys made this roster. Felix Hernandez did not. Paul, I'm going to be honest. I think 14-year-old Brendan took over because I just had this unabashed faith in Felix Hernandez and it was probably misplaced. 
given... I mean, your reasoning last week for him making the team was because he's Felix Hernandez. Pretty much, yeah. yeah, Because I just had the faith in Felix Hernandez that he would be motivated to bolster his Hall of Fame push. And I think he... I don't know. I I bought into the motivation of, I want to make the Hall of Fame. I want to hit stats X, Y, and Z. And I bought into him being able to make it work. That's obviously not what happened. And I think Felix Hernandez probably just, if it weren't for the injury, I don't know if Felix Hernandez still doesn't make this roster. Right. I think he needed an opportunity to show that the velocity could increase, could to show that he could work his off speed pitches more. And if Felix Hernandez doesn't get injured, we're probably having a different conversation. Right. I, I, I think, I mean, I think that was a fair assessment by you to that think that he was going to figure that stuff out and he just didn't have enough time to do so. Yeah. You know, if if he had more starts, if he didn't have that inj- that elbow soreness, he'll probably get picked up somewhere. Maybe. And hopefully after the injury, he'll be able to have a little bit more time to get that velocity up and prove that he can work with a slower velocity. I mean, for all we know, considering what we saw with Wade LeBlanc, he could for be, all we know, the Orioles could, be, could take him back. Could re-sign him in a day. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just just change that narrative. I mean, it would make sense. I To me, I think that the Orioles just told him you're not making this roster because it wouldn't make much sense if, he, if they told him you're making this roster but you're starting the season on the IL. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me for from Felix's Hernan from Felix's perspective if he did, if he was the one that said I want out because now he goes into free agency with an elbow injury and with poor spring training stats. Right. So he has to prove not only that he can get that velocity back up, but he has to prove he's healthy. Whereas if he was on the Orioles injured list to start the season, he would at least be rostered and have a chance to rehab with a major league training staff. He needed the games to get ramped up. Yeah. I think that if Felix Hernandez didn't yeah, get injured... pitched in a year. There, I think there was a pretty good chance that he could ramp up the velocity a little bit. And much like Matt Harvey, he could improve those spring training stats as he went along. Matt Harvey didn't make the Orioles roster because of his spring training numbers as a whole. Matt Harvey made the Orioles roster because his last two or three spring training starts, his velocity increased. His other pitches worked a lot more effectively than they had before. And he wasn't giving up as many hits. He showed a lot of improvement over spring training. And it's unfortunate that Felix Hernandez doesn't get that same chance with this injury, but you just can't really justify keeping him on the roster because you didn't see that progression. If Matt Harvey only made two starts and, you know, uh, Felix Hernandez made, what, four total, or Felix Hernandez made three total. He made three total starts. But the last one was just an inning. Right. You know, if, if Matt Harvey had that same body of work, had the first two starts that he did, and then got pulled in that third start Same with story. El- el- elbow soreness, you can't make a case to keep Matt Harvey because exactly. he had not shown you enough. So maybe, maybe, hypothetically, Felix would have shown you enough in those last two starts, but he just ran out of time um, to be able to make this team. Matt Harvey, like you said, made this team not because of his first two starts, but because of his last two starts. Right. Because he showed significant improvement. And there are other guys that had much better spring trainings than Felix Hernandez that deserved spots on the roster and spots in the rotation. And you couldn't really justify saying, okay, that we hope once Felix Hernandez is back from this injury, we hope that he progresses enough to get to a point where he could potentially be in the Orioles rotation. There are a lot of ifs and hypotheticals in that situation when there were other guys that were pitching a lot better 
and deserved spots in the rotation. So continuing the theme with us looking like idiots and Michael Elias, just <laughs> all spring, I said, I just can't see room for the Rule 5 guys. And here they are. Here they are. Both Rule yep. 5 guys, Max Roller and Tyler Wells, have made the Orioles opening day roster. Awesome. It's congr- it, it's a huge yeah. accomplishment. Uh, and, and it's awesome to see both those guys. And personally... I love to see it because you op- I, I like going with these Rule 5 guys. It, they're such a low-risk opportunity uh, to have these guys in here. They're both still 25, 26 years old. You have them so cheaply on your roster, and really the only thing you have to do is keep them on your roster. Uh, and, for a little and, bit, for and a little then bit. you option them. Yeah, yeah. And, and not demote them. So it's just a way to get kind of free prospects in a way, $100,000 prospects, I guess you could say. So it's great. Tyler Wells, I think, absolutely, definitely deserved to get on this roster. Yes. Max Roller was not nearly as sharp as Tyler Wells this spring. When you when all things are equal, you go with the Rule 5 guy, I think. You know, when all things are equal, you would rather have the younger, more prospect-like pitcher than you would somebody like an Eshelman, somebody like a, even somebody like a Felix in, in terms of a an older veteran guy that you hope to flip. Because in my mind... You know, what are the odds that Felix Hernandez were, say he's healthy and he made this roster? What are the odds that he pitches well enough for you to get a good enough return of a player that is a better prospect than Tyler Wells or Max Roller? Not particularly high. Not particularly high. Given his track record, given the fact that he has not had an ERA, you know, around six, under six in in the past couple years... Not particularly high. Now, we would hope that that would happen, and it would be a great story if it happened, and we've seen it happen before on occasion with Tommy Malone and others. But the odds of it are not high. So you take the bird in the hand, which is a Max Roller or Tyler Wells, a prospect that is not going to be in your top 30 prospects, but you know still has potential, still is fairly young, overtaking an older veteran that you hope performs well enough to flip to get another prospect back. So it, yeah. it, you take the younger guy. If that makes sense, absolutely. Does that make sense? Okay. Tyler Wells probably is not eligible. He's probably protected if he doesn't have his injury last year. Yeah, Tyler Wells is a good young pitcher, and he deserves to make this Orioles roster. I mean, he allowed one earned run in nine innings. That is basically what we were talking about with Bruce Zimmerman, who earned himself a roster spot. And Tyler Wells goes nine innings, one earned run, 12 strikeouts, which you could argue is an even better spring training performance than Bruce Zimmerman, who went nine innings, 10 strikeouts, no earned runs. They're both right there. Max Soroller is the interesting one because he was not fantastic in the spring, pitched seven innings, allowed five earned runs. And the interesting thing with Soroller, which we'll talk about in a bit when we talk about the last uh, Orioles roster spot, you have to choose one guy, realistically, between Travis Lakins, Dylan Tate, and Cole Sulcer. If it's me, I would probably rather have both Dylan Tate and Travis Lakins than Max Roller, who didn't perform very well in spring training. But the thing with both Lakins and Tate, which we'll talk about, is that they both have two minor league options. Yeah. So potentially, so in, a, hypo- these in a hypothetical scenario here, you could keep one of either Travis Lakins or Dylan Tate, option them down to the minors for a little while. Yeah. As soon as the date comes where you are allowed to option the Rule 5 guys, you could maybe 
option max roller down yeah. and call back up one of Travis Lakins or Dylan Tate that doesn't end up making the Orioles opening day roster. Right. Similar to how the Orioles did with Richie Martin. You know, they kept yep. him on the, the roster the entire season. And though he struggled at the big league level, they now still have a guy that they think could be useful in their infield in 2021 or 2022. It They had to swallow the lumps and take the lumps of him really struggling, which he did. And we talked about him not being ready for the big league level when he was taken uh, in that Rule 5 draft over from the A's system. Struggled a little bit in the field. Definitely struggled at, at the plate. Um, good for him for, you know, being able to withstand that. And it was I'm sure it was incredibly difficult for him to do that. Um, but now the Orioles have him in the system. And now they don't have to worry about losing him at any point. Right. They could do the same with, with Max Roller and Tyler Wells. That being said, if Max Roller is used in a lot of games and gets really hit around, and the Orioles say, we really just need him in our system, we want to keep him here, we don't want to send him back to the original team, he's got to be able to handle that. And that can be difficult to handle. If he's not ready for the big leagues, but he has to pitch in big league games, um, that could be difficult for a player's confidence. Right. Um, But they clearly have the faith that either he'll perform well enough or he'll handle the difficulties of life in the big leagues. Um, well enough to to deal with it. And to me, that's a shot worth taking. Yes. Uh, that That's worth the risk. Yes. I made a mistake now that I'm thinking back. I said option Max Roller. As a Rule 5 guy, you can't option you can't him option them. this they, year. They, yeah. it would be, I meant to say return Max Roller. Yes. So he wouldn't be on the Orioles roster. But my hypothetical there still remains the same, where if Max Roller is at the major league level and doesn't perform very well, Travis Likens and Dylan Tate both deserve to be on the Orioles roster, in my opinion. So if Max Roller or Tyler Wells doesn't pitch very well at the major league level, you could realistically return one of yeah. them and then Dylan Tate or Travis Lakins could be back on the team. Like they did two years ago with Drew Jackson. There's that name again. Sent him back to the original team after like four at-bats because they just did not think that he right. was ready. But they gave him a shot on the opening day roster because there was nobody else ready to fill that spot. They could have options. You know, they I, I can't remember exactly the, the roster decisions yeah. made back then. But there was somebody clearly that they had in the system that they would rather have wait in the minor leagues just to give Drew Jackson a shot. Right. So they could do that here as well. Um, I'm really excited to see, especially what Tyler Wells has to offer this season. Um, we know that this team is going to need innings. Every team in baseball is going to need innings, especially because there were not 1,500 innings to be had by pitching staffs in the 2020 right. season. There were 580-some innings to be had in the, minor le- er, in the big league season last year. So they're going to need Wade LeBlanc to eat innings. They're going to need Adam Plutko to eat innings. That's why they acquired him. They're going to need these long relievers to fill in innings. And especially considering when you look at the Orioles starting pitching staff, you know, there are not (laughs) a whole lot of guys who can go deep in games. I think that there is some optimism that we could see some overperformance from guys like Matt Harvey, from Bruce Zimmerman, which we haven't even gotten to, which is an awesome story that he's the number three yeah. and has absolutely earned his way onto the roster. Speaking of, don't pay attention to spring training stats. <laughs> Maybe we do. should have yeah. paid attention to his nine <laughs> shutout innings this yeah. spring. Awesome. Well-deserved that he's on this pitching staff. Yes. Um, but even John Means, who is your opening day starter, and we expect a good season out of him, has not gone deep in games his entire career. Last year, he got 
he had way too many outings where he had his pitch count up in the 90s and 100s in the fourth and fifth innings and had to be pulled from games. Uh, Dean Kramer, you know, still had outings like that also last year. Yep. Uh, I don't think he ever went longer than six innings. Keegan Aiken, his longest performance, five and a third. Yeah. So, uh, and Matt Harvey, of course, we don't really know what we're going to get from number yeah. two starter Matt Harvey. Yeah. And he definitely has the potential to have a blow-up outing and have to get pulled early from games. Jorge Lopez, <laughs> you know, he had some blow-up outings where he had to be pulled after an inning and a third or whatever it was. So, they're going to need these long relievers. They're going to need innings out of this 14-man pitching staff. Yeah. So they're hoping that Max Roller and Tyler Wells can be part of the solution to deliver you that. Well, one quick thing I want to say is that when we say number two starter, Matt Harvey, he is starting the second game of the season. Matt Harvey more than likely is not going to be the second best starting pitcher on the Orioles this year. I would wager that that's probably going to be Dean Kramer or maybe even Keegan Aiken who gets called up in a little while. I think this is more of a matchup-based, you, I think you so go too. series by series. Matt Harvey is the number two. Yes, in he is the number two, but he is just starting the second game. Dean yes. Kramer is your second best pitcher in the rotation. But it's interesting too, Paul. I think we're going to see a lot of teams across Major League Baseball once these opening day rosters are announced. A lot of teams are going to go with 14 pitchers. The Orioles' first opponent, the Boston Red Sox, are more than likely going with 14 pitchers. So yeah. this is not just an Orioles thing where they're trying out a bunch of different guys and seeing what sticks. Teams around baseball are saying, okay, we need a lot of guys who can eat innings because of how weird last season was, because yeah. of the modified spring trainings. We need guys who can eat innings. And that's what a lot of teams are doing. And uh, I think, I'm glad you mentioned the matchup thing. I think that's important because, you know, you draw the headlines of Matt Harvey's the Orioles' number two starter. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I think the matchup thing makes sense. And the, the way that I was looking at it in my head was Dean Kramer, if you remember last year, he had two starts against the Yankees. He His final start of the season came against the Red Sox. So small sample size. But he crushed the Yankees in those two outings. He dominated them. And he got hit around by the Red Sox at Fenway Park in that last start of the season. Yep. This current arrangement with Dean Kramer being your number five allows him to skip that Red Sox series entirely yep. and start off the season on a good note facing the Yankees at Yankee Stadium in the second series of the season. Makes sense. It makes some sense. Yeah. Uh, you have Jorge Lopez as your number four. Bruce Zimmerman as your number three. Um Definitely not the starting five that we had uh, imagined a few weeks ago. We imagined a six-man rotation, I think, with... Means, Kramer, Aiken, LeBlanc, Harvey, and Felix. Felix is gone, Wade's in the bullpen, and Kramer got optioned. And Paul, uh, Jorge Lopez, now that you mentioned him, I just looked it up because I did not really think Mm. about this too awful much until we started talking about it. Uh, Last year, Jorge Lopez pitched one game against the Red Sox, uh, went four innings, allowed five runs. He pitched one game against the Yankees, went five innings, did not allow a run. There you go. So Jorge Lopez and Dean Kramer. Matchup-based baseball. The Yankees slayers. You take whatever advantage you can get. Yeah. And kudos to Brandon Hyde for getting creative with this. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't even realize that. We are learning things on the podcast as we go. Uh, The Orioles are playing 4D chess. And and look, this rotation is going to be in flux all season. And remember two years ago, Yank, uh, the Orioles start the season, I think, against the Yankees and then the Red Sox, I think, in that order. But John Means was not in that starting rotation. Right. 
fast forward three months and he's an all-star and he's the Orioles ace. Yeah. So this rotation will be in flux. Yes. Um, and, you know, number two starter, these are just kind of terms that are thrown around for the time being. He is right. starting the second game of the season. So, Paul, we talked about 14 pitchers. I want to talk about the last potential roster spot, which is going to be going to a pitcher's. A pitcher, excuse yeah. me. I'm going to run through the roster real quick. Sure. The hitters, we've got Pedro Severino, Chance Sisko, Trey Mancini, Pat Vileka, Ramon Urias, Freddie mm-hmm. Galvis, Michael Franco, Rio Ruiz, Ryan Mountcastle, <laughs> Cedric Mullins, Austin Hayes, and Anthony Santander. We did not name DJ Stewart yes. because he is probably going to be starting the year on the injured list. We don't think he's going to be out for a very long time. Once he's back, he will probably work his way into a DH role. So those are the 12 hitters that the Orioles are going to be starting with for their opening day roster. This is not, uh, it's pretty much all but confirmed except for the last few guys. But the last few guys are who we want to talk about with the pitchers. Yeah. The ones that we know are making the roster. John Means, Matt Harvey, Bruce Zimmerman, Jorge Lopez, Dean Kramer. That's the starting rotation. That's the five. In the bullpen, Cesar Valdez, Paul Fry, Tanner Scott, Sean Armstrong, Tyler Wells, Max Soroller, Wade LeBlanc, Adam Plutko. I got the graphic up. There we go. That's the right <laughs> graphic. And then... Wrong graphic. Uh, it is going to be one of Travis Lakins, Dylan Tate, or Cole Sulcer. We didn't put Cole Sulcer up there because of the three, he probably has the worst shot of making the roster. He does have a 3-6 ERA in five games this spring, but he had a 5-5-6 five, five, ERA in 2020. He tried to work into the closer role a little bit. And that did not work out very well. I think if you're picking between those three, Dylan Tate and Travis Lakin Sr. are the clear number one and number two options. And I think that's what the final roster spot is going to come down to. Yeah, I, w- I would guess at this point, unless... And also, we have a wild card. We've been hearing from Brandon Hyde that Anthony Santander is ready for opening day or, or is expected to be ready. However, he has not played in a game in an, over a week. Right. He has been kept out of spring training action on the backfields. First, Brandon Hyde said he was on the backfields for a lot of at-bats, so that's why he wasn't playing. Then we heard he had a little bit of a, a muscle strain. So he has been kept out. However, they, they say that he's going to be ready for opening day. If something changes in that and he is, starts the, the season on the IL, that will open up another roster spot. Right. Um, that... I don't imagine the Orioles would go with 15 pitchers. <laughs> I don't think but so. you never know. I think in that scenario, you would probably call up Ryan McKenna, maybe, because you would need maybe. another outfielder at you that would. point if you only you had only have three Ryan Mountcastle. <laughs> Trey Mancini can play in the outfield. He could, but I think, especially in the beginning of the season, I can't imagine the Orioles are going to want to stick him in right field. I think Trey Mancini... You never As you're ramping him up is probably going to be first base DH. But let's not talk about that scenario until we find out <laughs> whether Anthony Santander is yeah. actually going to be on the injured list or not to start the year. Obviously, hopefully not, and the Orioles won't have to worry about it. But I think with the two pitchers, Travis Lakins and Dylan Tate, they have both been uh, pretty bad this spring. Travis Lakins with an 8.59 ERA, yeah. Dylan Tate with an ERA of 9. We are jumping back and forth on whether or not to be concerned with these spring training numbers. I'm not all that concerned with either of these guys' numbers because they were both very solid last yeah, year. We, we both had them we had them both as locks yeah. because they both had what sub four ERAs. Travis Lakins had a two eight one ERA last season and Dylan Tate at a three two four. Either way, it doesn't make 
a ton of difference which one of these guys makes the roster. They both have two minor league options left, so you are not going to lose either of them if one of them does not make the roster. One of them won't make the roster, yeah. presumably. So you aren't going to lose them. One of them will just be optioned down because you have two options for both. Yes. If I had to guess right now, I think you probably go with Travis Lakins on the roster because he had a better 2020 and a slightly better spring training. Uh, if we have learned anything... Is that we are wrong. Week, we are wrong. So <laughs> whatever you just predicted, I think Cole Solcer is going to make the probably based yeah. on this. Yeah. Uh, we could very well be wrong about this because Mike Elias has just, he's listening to this podcast right it's now. It's a good thing when we were doing laughing. these podcasts. He's the just last laughing few, at us. It's a really good thing when we were doing these podcasts the last few weeks that we prefaced by saying we could be wrong uh, and we were. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, we here are we are. Dead wrong. Yeah. And by the time you listen to this, perhaps you have the 26-man roster in front of you. And also, we aren't even discussing the possibility that the Orioles could pick somebody up off the waiver wire. Or trade for somebody else like Adam Plutka. I don't know if you know, but Renato Nunez is just floating out there, Brendan. Oh, man. He did not make the Detroit Tigers. Don't do this to my heart, Paul. Could Renato Nunez <laughs> and, return to the Baltimore And join Orioles? the absolute mess of first base DH that is occupied by Trey Mancini, Ryan Mountcastle, Pat Vileka can play first, DJ Stewart can DH, Rio Ruiz can DH. Tyler Nevin could make his debut. Tyler Nevin could make his debut at some point. First base DH is a mess. I wouldn't say a mess. They have good players there. It is okay. It is a good mess. Yes. It is it, a good problem to have that you have a lot jam, of players. Which is why Renato Nunez found himself out of the organization to begin this right. whole yes. offseason. <sighs> we just ran through a lot. There is, there's a lot to discuss here, Yeah, and there will probably be more after our podcast ends. However, we will be back in this apartment, this very apartment. This same one we don't leave. In two, <laughs> in two days uh, to begin the season. Yeah. Opening day is up at Fenway Park on Thursday. We will be here doing a live show, which, which we'll be taking your comments and talking about our roster, opening day, our season, our AL East, our statistical leader predictions for the 2021 season. We want to kick off the season right. This, the O's start at 2 o'clock that day, so we'll probably go live, I would guess, around noonish, yeah. maybe 11 a.m. Come hang uh, out with us. Yeah. Ask us questions. Absolutely. We, uh, we want to hear from you guys, and we want to hear your excitement for the season because I am so ready for baseball to be back with Whew. fans in the stands. Yes. And then it is just a week from Thursday that the Orioles have their home opener at Oriole Park at Camden Yards. So, so much exciting stuff coming uh, in the next couple weeks. We can finally stop talking about hypotheticals. Thank goodness. And start talking about games that actually matter. We can stop talking about our hypotheticals and we can start talking about our predictions, which much like our hypotheticals will also be wrong. Also be entirely <laughs> incorrect. We are really just driving seven. people to listen to the podcast here by talking about how, how wrong, we are. wrong yeah. we are and how frequently it happens. Exactly. Uh, of course, if you don't watch the podcast, you can watch the podcast Yeah, on uh, Facebook, YouTube. Twitter. And you should be watching the podcast because Eric on YouTube says the apartment is looking better. Yeah. Yeah. Look at us up and moving up in the world. I'm cleaning. Yeah. Wow. Doing big steps for us. Absolutely massive. You can't see our microwave. That was a big thing for me. Yeah. We switched the angle. Yeah. We've got a better camera shot, hopefully. Yeah, exactly. The magic of working from home. Huh? Absolutely. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Of course, uh, please 
like, rate, review, subscribe. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Give us a ridiculous review. Tell um, us how great our apartment looks. Or, yeah. Please do. Um, <laughs> please do. We're very self-conscious about it. at Brandon Morty on Twitter. I'm at Paul Mancano. And uh, we'll see you Thursday for opening day. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs>